CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world, all on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hi, everyone. Happy Monday and welcome to The Hash. You are watching us on Coindesk TV. And if you're listening, you're listening on the Coindesk Podcast Network. I'm Jensen Assey. On today's show, we got Wen Mio, Will Foxley, and George Kaloudis. Will, I think you have our first story. Why don't you I get do. us started? I do. Let's talk about Celsius to start off the week. They're going to bankruptcy court this afternoon, and we got a nice snapshot of their current asset holdings and liabilities last week, including a few interesting details. One bit, they included $600 million, I believe, attributed to their token CEL, C-E-L. But in reality, it's only worth around $100, $120 million just because the asset itself or the token has depreciated in price so much since Celsius blew up. Also included some interesting notes, like some mining operations that it runs. Actually, has a decently large mining operation up there in terms of like the size against other private companies. As Coindesk reported last week, the prices of ASIC miners, the Bitcoin miners themselves, is also quickly depreciating. So that means that Celsius is probably overstating how much these assets are actually worth. And then you get into the liabilities, right? And we reported last week that there was a very large hole in their balance sheet from one particular company, Equities First. I think it was near $500 million in outstanding debt from that company. So just looking at the total picture, it's pretty rough. It is not a good way of looking at this saying like things are going to be okay. Of course, the most important thing now is for retail and anyone who is involved with Celsius, how are they going to get money back? And does Celsius have the ability to go through Chapter 11 successfully, come out on the other side and pay out a lot of the retail participants in this? Right now, doesn't look so good. George, going to throw it up to you for your take though. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts going through my head right now. But the first thing I'd say is, if you're going to have a crypto token, don't call it sell. Don't call it sell. It just <laughs> it just sounds I didn't like think about that. That's good. Um, I don't know we got to start putting that through like marketing things. I don't know. I feel like crypto companies always fail. I'm in that saying capacity. we need marketers. Yeah, Bitcoin has a marketing problem. <laughs> so do all the other ones. When it comes to this balance sheet hole. Can someone explain to me what a balance sheet hole is, right? Like I spent five years in investment banking and the only time the balance sheet didn't balance was when some silly first year analyst, Will's favorite, wasn't doing something correct when they were looking at the financials. What is a balance sheet hole? Is that bad debt? If that's bad debt, that's still a liability. It's just bad debt. So 
there's that. Also, this mining thing, Will, you know as well as we do, I can probably go buy like 10 ASICs right now with, you know, just a quick loan from like my brother. I don't know. I don't really have much to say other than I think Celsius is kind of in for a pickle. My least favorite thing of what they're doing now is that they're doing, you know, the chapter 11 bankruptcy rather than filing bankruptcy as a broker dealer, which means that they do in fact believe that the assets they hold are their assets rather than their customers. So retail comes out on the bottom again. I didn't want to latch on to what I had to say. Sorry. I didn't really go anywhere with that. Just airing my... <laughs> it was great points. I like the solid token part. Yeah. Wendy, go ahead. I actually learned a lot from what you said though. Oh, did you... <laughs> I did. Because, no, I did because like George, the balance you know? sheet hole, like what is a balance sheet hole? Like when I balance my family's budget for the month, like we don't have any holes in the budget because we have a certain amount of money that we have to spend. I don't know. I learned from it. Though, I've never heard that term. I learned about it in crypto. Yeah. The balance sheet should balance, you know, it's called mm. balance sheet. It's still went out. <laughs> it's still gone. We just, it's gone. Right. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it would seem that way. Maybe we'll get some more clarity on this poll as the story progresses. I think over the next cycle, though, we're going to see a lot of precedent setting law take place in the courts. And we've spoken a little bit about this when it comes to intellectual property, what's going on in the metaverse and with Web3 and NFTs. I think that this is going to contribute to some precedent setting law when it comes to bankruptcy court and crypto companies. That's going to be, I think, really interesting to watch play out. There was a quote in a Reuters article this morning from Stephen Gannon, who is a partner at Davis Wright Tremaine. He said he thinks it's going to take about six months minimum for them to develop a plan and get out, which sounds like a really long time for these customers who are waiting to find out what's going to happen to their funds. I can only imagine the anxiety that people who had funds or who have funds on Celsius are feeling right now. And I want to say, though, that we should look at this story if you're new to the crypto space and use it as an opportunity to educate yourself, learn about self-custody, learn about you know when things maybe sound like they're too good to be true. And you don't always have to steer away from them, but you should understand the risks before you get into them. So I think that we can all learn from what's happening here. And if you're new to crypto, it's not all doom and gloom. But Will, I saw your hand go up. Okay, I'm going to take this at techie nerdy corner for a second because that's my obligation as being part of the show. Really interesting corollary to this whole story is the DeFi debt that Celsius had, right? So not only did they have a lot of debt, outstanding obligations to a bunch of companies in CeFi, centralized finance, or traditional finance, but they also had a lot of debt to DeFi applications. And these are smart contracts on a protocol. And the most interesting thing about this is that Celsius had to pay off that DeFi debt before it could pay off anything else. Before it started going down the debt stack and paying off CeFi, TradFi partners, they had to pay off the DeFi debt. Now, why does that matter? Well, when you're looking at your liabilities and you're starting to make those payments, right? you have to choose which one needs the dollars first. Who is going to get your first stack of dollars to be able to pay off that debt? And you call that senior debt. And in most cases, you're going to pay it off to people who you want to work with in the future or who have the tightest contracts on you, who can basically squeeze you the hardest. In this case, The DeFi protocols have the most leverage because if you don't pay it down, then you get liquidated. You have to pay off that debt. Otherwise, it's gone. There's no human on the other side. It's just a computer. It's going to take your money away and you can't get it back. So that's why we saw Celsius go through its MakerDAO loans and pay those off as quickly as it could to get the collateral back. And then it went through Aave and it paid off debt to get its collateral back. And it kept doing that for all the DeFi loans that it had outstanding. 
And then it was able to take that collateral and start paying off its other debts. So this is one of the more interesting things that we're looking at, like debt structures, which again, I understand it's a pretty nerdy topic. But it is important going forward, if this is going to be like a thing for crypto and for traditional finance, you're going to see DeFi become this cornerstone product because of how people have to interact with the debt structures. But I'll leave it there. I actually have no idea who's next. So someone just grab it. Actually, it's Wendy I, with the ETH merge. I think I'm next. Am I possibly next? Well, we do have some good news coming up <laughs> as far as the crypto market gains. We saw, well, this is a sad story, but for anybody that was long on Ethereum, congratulations. Ethereum futures see 230 million in liquidation as merge pushes ETH to $1,500. So everybody that was short kind of lost out. Why are we getting liquidated, guys? We have to practice risk management. But the ETH chart was actually looking pretty bullish on Thursday, Friday. We talked about it on my show. And the key area that we were looking for on my channel was approximately 1294. And I wanted to get that weekly close and the daily close to be a little bit more confident. And now we're kind of talking about $1,700 now. And things are looking good. We're actually looking pretty, pretty decent. That's my gorgeous chart over there with all the pretty colors. But it is nice to see a little bit of green. And another thing I do want to say is I feel like since we had like BlockFi, Three Arrows Capital, Celsius Voyager, like all these crazy things that happen in crypto so fast, we saw this volatile price action occur on the downside. But it looks like that we have found that local bottom with both Bitcoin and Ethereum. So we are due for a bit of a rally. And I feel that we will be able to successfully hit $1,700. Not financial advice, use stops, don't get in late. But I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. I actually want to toss this over to George and get your thoughts about this and its price action. Okay. All I'm saying is that, you know, we were going to hit 10K ETH because of the merge. That was the call back in the day when ETH was approaching 5K. So when the, <laughs> we do get the merge and we're going to pull a 2X, are we just going to get back to 3K? Is, is that what happens when the merge happens? Okay. Yeah, so when the merge happens, we're hitting, we're hitting 3K. So everyone's going to be excited because the merge happened and now it's bullish, even though we're still below all-time highs. Now what happens if the merge doesn't happen? Like what, what, what's going to happen? Well, what do you think? <laughs> a lot of finance stories to start off the week. I yeah. uh, hope everyone's buckling in here. We got to dig into another tough one. And the merge, of course, is a transition basically to ETH 2.0. It's been happening piecemeal for the last two, three years. But this is the capstone of it where you move from proof of work with all the mining to proof of stake with all the validators. It's a big deal, supposed to like change the energy consumption, all that stuff. So what you have here forming is a narrative that we're going to fulfill the promises of Ethereum. They're actually completing the promises that they've made over the last few years. This project is legitimate because they're able to undergo such a large technical change. And so people should buy into this, right? They should buy into the change because from now on, ETH will become more expensive as it fulfills all the promises it's managed to make over the last few years. For traders, I don't have a lot of advice besides if it's really crowded trade, you probably don't want to be there. So I'm actually expecting this to sort of dump after a few weeks here. I think it's gone up like 20, 30% recently. That's, that's a lot for looking at a macro perspective, right? The Fed is really in the driving wheel here and that changes where Bitcoin is going to go. And then Bitcoin is the market leader for all these things. As much as Ethereum has traded against Bitcoin in some moments, it really hasn't. Like it, They're basically all extremely correlated. And the Fed continues to put pressure on interest rates, which is putting pressure on easy money. When there's easy money, everyone is buying up all these assets. But when money gets hard to purchase, when it gets hard to take money and you have to pay interest on debt, you're going to start dropping these assets. You're going to be selling your Bitcoin. You're going to be selling your Ethereum. So I think this is just a fade. I think you got to buy out of it, dump your Ether. And I think later... <laughs> 
Maybe, but right now I'm just, I think this is like a fake pump. It's a cool event it, though. Like this is a huge technical change. <laughs> when you're <laughs> I don't feel advice. we're bear market. Like we're in a serious bear market. Like there's been so many terrible yeah. things that have happened in a very exactly, short period it's a of bear time. Market. So I just like, to me, this is like an easy short time trade. Like micro wise, fantastic. Macro, not so much. I still do think we will see 750 ETH. Come for me all you want. That's my opinion. And I'm not saying it's going to happen today. I'm not saying it's going to happen next month. But I do feel that that we are going to see a lot more pain, a lot more lows in the future in this net, you know, until we get that Bitcoin happening or whatever happens. But Jen, go ahead, take it. I just have a completely out there question. So the merge is supposed to really address the climate issue, the climate narrative. And also I was reading that solve climate change and the issue with gpu cards could potentially be addressed by this too right because the gpu cards that the miners and the gamers were fighting over are no longer going to be needed when we switch over so Mm. i want to get everyone's opinion on this show could the ETH merge potentially be one step closer to solving the gaming issue that we talk about so often on this show will you go first it could, but we swapped to NFTs versus gamers. So it was like a perfect transition, right? We want to keep those gamers mad. So I'm actually pretty happy. Good good point to bring this up, though. Wendy Will does not want mass adoption in any way, shape, or form. He does not want that. <laughs> Just keep them, keep them mad. Got to keep people fighting. That's the most interesting thing. That's what I vote for. Wendy, what do you think? I just think once Ethereum is able to successfully move over from proof of work to proof of stake, global warming would be gone and it'll solve the global problem that we're seeing. I agree. Yeah. Blockchain George? games are dumb. Blockchain games are dumb. They're not fun. <laughs> I'm sure you play, I'll a never play a blockchain game. George, you do you like being on this show? It yeah, feels like you're forced that. at gunpoint to come on here every time you're on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at he his smirk. Like He's happy to be topics. here. I love being here. He doesn't like but the blockchain, blockchain games. Are bad. <laughs> All right. Which, we got to leave fair. it there, George. We love having you on the show. And Control just gave me talking to. I wasn't looking very convincing that I wanted to be here. So I really do want to be here. The fun guy's back. My story is about VC investments in crypto companies, which are down 26% the first half of the year compared to last year. $9.3 billion in 2022, $12.5 billion in 2021. There were, however, more deals, and most of the bleed or attrition was in the first quarter, which is completely unsurprising. Look at the year-to-day chart for anything in Q1. It was just bad, right? And funds still have capital deploy. Injuries in Horowitz raised $4.5 billion in May. People are still giving multi-coin money for some reason. I'm sure bank <laughs> crypto cap still has dry powder. Even Christie's, yes, Christie's, the auction house, is getting in on the crypto VC game by investing in Layer Zero, which Coindesk alum Andrew Thurman hilariously said on Twitter, and I'm quoting this, the STG pump and dump was art. So it makes sense. Anyway, some will say crypto VC is dead, but I'm going to inject my cynicism in a way that will sound somehow optimistic. And this might change given we're finally creeping out of the world of cheap credit. VCs, even the good ones, are beholden to their LPs who give them money. And the LPs of these funds are going to want to catch on to the crypto hype again, not because they've made a ton of money already, but they haven't yet, right? There are more people out there who haven't made money in crypto than there are who have. So always going to be new dollars that the VCs can raise to invest in all of this. So the grift will not stop, but it might if, you know, debt gets super expensive and we all go back to 60-40 portfolios. But I saw Will's hand go up, so I want to hear what you have to say. I like that little knock on Multicoin. Uh, We'll see if they come back for you. Come back for you on Twitter, I'm sure. Uh, No, it's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting to see these numbers, right? And it's totally expected. 
So the first half of last year, 2021, we saw $12.5 billion invested in VCs rounds attributed with crypto. We saw about $9.6 billion for the first half of this year, 2022. Decent decrease around 25%. Why is that? Well, it's pretty easy to look at it. Sentiment is down. And why is sentiment down? Well, the Fed is pushing up interest rates. We just talked about that a second ago, and I will keep talking about it. In a week, we'll talk about it some more. In a month, I'm sure we'll still be talking about interest rates. Because that's all that matters for these money markets, right? The only reason you're going to buy something is because in the future, you think it's going to make you more money or more happy. And right now, the cost of spending money is only going up. So you're probably going to hold on to your money and make a choice with it that's a little bit better, a little wiser decision. And so people are going to drop their NFTs, they're going to drop their Bitcoin, they're going to pick up something else. That includes with VCs, they're not going to invest money in something right now that probably is not going to make them more money in the future. And they'd rather wait and hold and see what happens with this macro picture. To me, this is not surprising at all. I do like getting these data summaries at the end of a period though, right? It sort of helps you understand that it's not just emotions at play, that it's actually like a general market phenomenon. Wendy, I'll throw it up to you for your take. A couple of things that I want to say. I mean, obviously the market isn't doing well, so people don't necessarily want to dump money and people will kind of want to hoard their cash, hoard their crypto or whatever it may be. And I feel like good VCs on specific occasions would want to do that too. However, on the flip side, there's a lot of really great opportunities out there because there's people that are legitimately building and generally you get more legitimate people building in these types of downturns and these bear markets or bear cycles. So there's that. But also too, when you're looking at crypto VCs compared to traditional VCs, there's a lot of crypto VC firms that they don't even act like real VC firms. They don't necessarily come from the traditional market. They kind of slap that VC label on themselves and call them that. So I think the good ones are still out there investing, but they're taking more precautions as to what they're putting their money into. Because when you're investing as a VC, from my understanding, it's a long-term play. It's just not you're going to get in and get out with your tokens or whatever it may be. It is like a three to five year, sometimes 10 year before you exit. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, this is a super interesting thing. Glad you brought this up, Wendy. Right now, because prices are so depressed, there is an argument that you can get in with where VCs were able to get in a few years ago. And of course, you're taking some risk there because a lot of these projects never see the light of day again. Most projects from a bull market to a bear market, rather, they drop like 90% and then go down another 90%. And that token never matters ever, ever again. It's very rare that you see a token make it through two bull markets successfully. That's probably the most interesting thing about Ethereum is it? it's actually done quite well through two distinct bull markets, 2017, and now 2020, 2021. All these other projects, we'll never talk about them again. But the projects that do do well, you're able to purchase them right now for prices that VCs basically got in at. And if you're able to get a decent nice, like size bag, then you're doing pretty well. You can see this with Coinbase, right? It's public. Most people can purchase it at some point in their life, able to buy it on a, a traditional broker of some sort. Right now, it's down a decent amount. It's like $50 or, or so, I think, is what like it's trading at. And so you're able to go get a stack of that for where a lot of people who worked at the company and had equity vesting were able to get their first bag of it. Uh, that's compared to November of last year, where Coinbase stock was trading at like 380 a pop. Right. So there is like a nice silver lining here. Of course, not financial advice. Purchase whatever you choose to do with your own research. Jen, I'll throw it to you, but I saw George's hand also go up. Yeah, I'll fight. I'll fight George for it. I was just going to quickly say, you know, the numbers make complete sense. And I think VCs are just being a little bit more thoughtful, maybe about where they put their money now. So like you said, Wendy, 
when VCs are making their bets, they're making their bets in the long term. And I think we can look at what Christie's new Web3 VC arm did to kind of see how the minds that are making these decisions that these venture capital firms are thinking. So Layer Zero is an interoperability protocol that makes moving assets between different blockchains easier for clients. So we're starting to see all of these problems, right, that we spoke about during the bull cycle, but they were kind of the secondary narrative because everyone was so excited about all of the money and all of the exciting projects and the NFTs. I think now is when we're really going to focus on the problems that presented themselves during the bull cycle and how we fix those problems, how we get to this utility that we've been speaking about. And I think we can see that with Christie's first investment. But George, I'll give you the last word. First off, layer zero sounds a lot like Cosmos. So I don't know what the difference mm. between layer zero and layer zero is. Uh, Cosmos, I think, mm. or Adam is like a cursed token based on what my understanding of all coins. <laughs> but one of the one of the points that uh, sorry, I'm freaking so much. Or one of the oh god, one of the the things that Wendy said reminded me of a piece that someone at CoinDesk wrote about VCs, and it was about how crypto VCs aren't really like venture capital firms because they have these liquid tokens that they can then dump on people. So. It's actually a really interesting dynamic where venture capitalists are supposed to invest, you know, in these risky things that after five to seven years you can get out. But now if you have pre-sale tokens, you can get out in a month, whenever it 10Xs. So I think there's a an imbalance there. Anyway, on to Jen. It is on to me. George, I want to say that the people in the YouTube comments love you. They're all just saying Good. they love when you're on the hash. So Wait, did you get a haircut, George? Those... I saw you tweeting about that. Words, Not yet. Next Not week. yet. Okay. I think you should leave like, it long. It looks very trim. nice. Yeah, your hair you. looks great. Like yeah, leave Thank it. You. Like an Olympian. Okay. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to our last <laughs> Sorry, story. Control. So, Binance has today. been fined $3.4 million by the Dutch Central Bank for failing to register in the Netherlands and continuing to offer services to Dutch citizens. So the fine was actually increased from 2 million euros, I believe, because the exchange has a large number of Dutch clients. I believe earlier this month, they received a license in Italy and in Spain. And another European country, I believe it was France, but I stand to be corrected. Will, I'm going to throw this on over to you. Binance keeps getting hit with fines, but it seems like they're doing okay. It seems like they probably built these fines into their business strategy. They're doing okay. They've said they're not laying anyone off. They're investing heavily in marketing. What do you make of this fine in the Dutch market? It's pretty small, like $3.4 million for a firm of Binance's size. It's really nothing. It really is nothing. That being said, they're probably going to continue getting fines and there has been a significant amount of fines in their past. And that's because they've chosen a very specific business strategy that honestly, pretty impressive they've been able to walk it and it's been very successful so far. They chose to basically use a legal arbitrage moving from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, first starting in China, then moving to Singapore, I believe. And then they went to like a bunch of different places in the Mediterranean and Europe. They've been quite literally all over the map. I think we could do like a Where's Waldo, a CZ on the world stage. They've just been so many different places. And this makes sense because they're trying to be the exchange for the global user, not just the United States user like Coinbase has trying to be for the last few years. Binance and Coinbase have two very different models. And Binance has seemed to work so far, right? And then the crown jewel of that was 
them going to France and basically opening up all their exchanges operations within that country and being rolled up within that legal framework. I mean, even the other day, we saw that CZ was talking with a bunch of G7 leader nations in Paris, right? He's moving into this upper echelon and Binance's as well. So yes, these fines are important. You don't want to be fined. You want to act within like the regulatory constraints. But at the same time, this is just the same story for Binance where they get fined. Better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Keep adopting new users in a few years. You have more adoption of crypto. Wendy, I'll throw it to you for your take. It's actually a very interesting strategy, just kind of going from one place to the next and getting fined. And I feel like because it is crypto and because we don't have straight regulation, like there is not an A through Z type of regulation for crypto. And this goes on a global scale. So the fact that they're still operating in these countries and they get slapped on the wrist with the fine, and then they need to actually find out what they need to do in order to operate properly. Maybe that's the route that they're taking. Because you know that CZ and you know that a lot of these exchange people, they've got attorneys, they have legal. And like, for example, BlockFi, I remember about six months ago, they get fined in a particular state for not operating properly or doing things according to those specific guidelines. But is it really these companies' fault for not operating under the proper guidelines when they keep changing or the government bodies that are introducing them? are not being very transparent with a set protocol for how to operate properly. That's just my thought on this. Some good thoughts. We should have, Some good we should have a global super government that takes care of all the crypto regulation. That'd be go really George great, I'm sure. George has called for a global super government. <laughs> you heard mm. it here first. Who would be the best <laughs> leader of the super government if it was going to be a crypto exchange head? Would Brian Armstrong or CZ be better? CZ. I don't know. I feel like CZ CZ's would be like, better. Yeah. I think CZ. CZ, CZ. I like he seems CZ. more benevolent. CZ is his yeah. his bear market tweets are so good though. And another thing that I want to mm. add really really quickly is that like even though that finance always is in the news for negative headlines because of stories like this, I get it. But at the same time, their token is doing pretty cool things. Like all the development that's happening on Finance Smart Chain, even though there was lots of scams, all kinds of crazy stuff that happened, it's still pretty affordable for people to use that chain for different DeFi applications or NFTs or whatnot. So coming from somebody who likes to save money, I think that it's you know potentially a good solution up until Ethereum gets their stuff together. But again, not financial advice. And I also do own a little bit of BNB. Interesting. Interesting. George, you get the last uh, word before we wrap oh, the last up this word. You know, when we see like Justin Sun doing a bunch of random stuff on like Aave and he's like setting $500 million here and there. I'm just looking forward to the, the chain analytics that show CZ paying the Dutch government $3 million from a dust account that he found because the dude is worth like half a trillion dollars. So I, I'm just looking yeah. forward to that day. That's It'll happen. It'll, it will. That's a great CZ's a hero. Thought. CZ for global government head. You heard it here first. Mm. That's been the hash on the Monday where we don't bring you financial advice, but we do bring you lots of fun opinions and hot takes. I'm Jen Sanasi. That's Wendy O. We've got George Kalunas up in the top corner and Will Foxley beside me. Thank you so much for watching on Coindesk TV and for listening on the Coindesk Podcast Network. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, the hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. 
Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit score grows, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or home. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com slash build. That's Chime.com slash build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Bill Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details.